0: You know, as we were praying for today, um, I just had this real sense from the Lord that I needed to ask Dave or Yadamari to share. Dave has gone on a journey of his own. And I, th- I felt like there was something that God wanted to, to speak through him to encourage every, one of, every single one of us. So I'm going to call up Indiana Dave up now, and he can uh, share.
1: That was it, huh? <laughs> All right. Good morning. Oh boy. So as we prepare for this, I don't know if you've seen the uh, scallop shell before. Uh, so I don't know. Have you guys seen these symbols before? Anybody? No. Right on. <laughs> so um, basically, what these are? These are symbols, and the yellow arrow are symbols of something, a route called the Camino de Santiago, and. Uh, it, it was depicted in a 2010 movie as well. Um, Emilio Estevez and his, his father, Martin Sheen, starred in a movie about the Camino de Santiago. And um, I thought I'd share with you a little bit about that. And why am I dressed so weirdly? Well, this is how pretty much I went walking on the Camino de Santiago. Um, and it was my boots. That's what's what we got here. Um, and so... What is the Camino de Santiago? Um, it's going to be a little different. I right, understand this message, but on June 8th of this year, I traveled to Spain um, and began a nine-day walk on the Camino. And uh, for me, it, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pilgrimage that I went on. Uh, it started around the ninth century. That's how long ago it, it, it's been around. And Camino means the way, and Santiago means St. James, and so literally it means the way of St. James, and um, for centuries, Christians have made this very same pilgrimage um, as, uh, as, as a, to places of spiritual interest, so Santiago is one place, uh, obviously Jerusalem is another place, Rome is another place, um, but the pilgrims believe that the Apostle St. James uh, is buried there in Santiago, and then they built this cathedral on top of his remains and then since the 9th century, people have been making this pilgrimage uh, there. And so when Pastor Mark prayed and, and felt a nudge to ask me to share with you about my experience this morning, I thought I'd bring uh, 50 slides from my, uh, from, my, from my trip. Okay, I'm kidding. I'm not going to share with you 50 slides and bore everybody this morning. Uh, you know, in, in fact, before you bolt for the door, um, it's far from a vacation log I'm going to share with you this morning. In fact... Let's just start right there. It's actually, it wasn't a vacation for me. Uh, I'm part of this leadership program. You may have heard, may, maybe not here in Hawaii. It's called the Amidia Fellows. And it's, its mission is to prepare leaders in Hawaii to make positive change in our community. And as part of this program, I was afforded the opportunity to go anywhere in the world. And um, uh, really, it was a, someplace in the world that was going to have personal significance to me Uh, to further clarify my calling and my development as a leader. And I chose the Camino de Santiago because I I wanted a place where I could really push pause on my frenetic life. And I also wanted, most importantly, to listen to God. And when I say listen to God, I mean really just quietly listen to God. So I had to go somewhere far enough away, and by design, it, it fostered a lot of quiet time for me. I was hoping to also do some self-reflection and, and listen to other pilgrims along the way. And so I ended up calling this my listening excursion or my listening Camino. And um, what was I hoping to hear? First and ho- for- foremost, as I was telling you, I was wanting to hear God's voice. And um, you might be wondering, well, what is this Camino? How long is it? Um, and so we have a map here, I think. Well, this is one of the countrysides of where I walked. Uh, it's called Ofolibar area, Pradella, But there's a map Um, And this is the Camino de Santiago. Uh, Oftentimes, pilgrims will start way on the right. This is northwestern Spain. If they start there, it's about 500 miles long. It'll take them about five, six weeks, maybe more, depending how long they want to walk. Um, I actually started 127 miles away in Ponferrada, which if you can sort of see it, if I don't fall off the stage, it's like right here. So I'm not even covering the bulk of it. I only had about two weeks. Um, so it took me nine days, about 14 miles a day. And to give you a sense of perspective, from my home in Ina to here at KCF is about seven miles. So for me, it would be like, or for you as a frame of reference, it'd be like me doing a round trip every day. Uh, it would take me about uh, five hours to rock about 14 miles. Uh, the difference with the Camino is it's not paved roads all the time. It's mountains and hills and dirt roads and, walking over streams and things like that. So depending on the day, it would take me, like I said, about four and a half, five hours. Maybe my longest day is about nine hours a day. Um, And you can imagine walking that amount of time, sometimes alone for hours on end. um, You have a lot of time with God, and you have a lot of time to sort of listen to yourself, and you also meet other pilgrims along the way. Um, Now, before you have a vision of Dave backpacking in the wilderness, right, and like pitching a tent or something like that. It really wasn't like that. Uh, There are many inns and hostels along the way. Uh, There's cafes that line the Camino, actually. And um, so you're not out there in the countryside all alone the entire time. And although you're walking for miles in the wilderness, in the countryside, towns are usually about three to five miles apart. Uh, So you're never more than a couple hours or so away from help. And in fact, uh, I want to show you something and what they do is every pilgrim carries a passport. And every time you stop at a cafe or a church, and there's chapels and churches all along the way, um, and a hostel, you get a stamp. And um, so mine, mine actually looked like this. Um, this is sort of what my passport looked like. And you stop along the way, and everyone gives you a stamp. And then you can imagine, if you started way at the beginning, people had like two of these books. Uh, and then you get the last stamp, at Santiago. Uh, and then they give you what's called a Compostela, which is like a certificate of completion. It's in Latin, and it says, you know, it's kind of like a congratulations type of stuff. So um, that's just kind of the background. Um, and if you're interested in seeing and hearing what the communal is like, and it was, like I said, Christians has been doing this since the ninth century. Uh, it is one of the more um, popular uh, pilgrimages in the world there 's over two hundred thousand people that do this a year. Um, I actually set up a blog uh, where you can we can review it if you like and so it 's called um, camino listening wordpresscom so if you want to check it out, uh, feel free uh, you 'll see pictures and I'll, i 'll explain and if you want to go so it starts with my last day. If you want to kind of go on the journey, I would encourage you to actually go to the oldest post. <coughs> Uh, when I go day, day zero minus three, which is when I was sitting here at Honolulu International Airport, uh, and then read it from there and kind of go progressively up to you. Um, but that's kind of what, um, if you want to hear more about it. So I was praying about what to share with you ever since Mark asked me to consider speaking this morning about my experience on the Camino. Um, and nothing immediately came to mind. <laughs> um, and I think that's because it's, it's really even to this day, it's really hard for me to describe what I experienced. Um, And the journey, quite frankly, still continues in me as well. Um, Some things were really clear and some things were not clear. Uh, And I guess the irony is, you know, I went on the Camino to hear God's voice, uh, to come back with something real tangible and clear, but what I came back with wasn't something as clear as like the Ten Commandments on the stone tablets, you know? (laughs) Not not that I was expecting anything like that in particular, um, but what I came back with is just more thoughts and emotions than I would have even expected. And I believe God told me just, you know, I said, God, what what do you want me to share as I do every time I I come and share with you guys? And I felt God just said, you know, just share your journey, Dave. Just share your journey. And by journey, I am interpreting this to mean all the thoughts and all the feelings I went through on the Camino and I continue to go through uh, to this day. So I'm going to share with you that, um, and a lot of this is a work in progress, okay? Um, so first off, uh, this is, is a picture of Villafranca. I mean, we're just going to kind of flash up pictures that I walked through on the Camino. Beautiful towns, uh, often towns maybe of 50 people, uh, people as much as maybe 1,000. Um, so you'll, you'll see some of that stuff. But last week, you know, Pastor Max talked about Jacob, and how Jacob wrestled with God. Right? You guys remember that if you are here last week. And that, that message really spoke to me um, because I related that to my Camino experience. Because uh, you know, I felt in many ways, um, I was wrestling with God. Um, and my Camino, the, the, the path or the journey, actually started before I left Hawaii. See, in the last two weeks, and, and maybe more than that, before my departure, um, mom, who's here, was taken to the, by ambulance to the ER. And she went to the ER twice in that one week, you know. Um, urgent care three times, yeah, mom. And visited a couple specialists and her primary care physician. And then, to make to even top things off, we heard rats in our attic. <laughs> and I hate rats, you know, as, as Barry will tell you. You know, I hate them. And, um, and then... You know, Thursday of of this couple weeks before, it was May 26th, the elders pray for my family, my mom, and me, and that night I was like, I didn't hear any rats, and the next morning, my mom's pain and all her physical ailments completely disappear, and she's been good since, you know? And I'm like, wow, right? But it was part of my journey. And then, in addition to physically prepare for 127 miles, then my good friend, Antakata, um, in our small group, who is this really busy chiropractor extraordinaire? By the way, um, made time in her schedule for me one late Saturday afternoon to make adjustments to my 45-year-old body. You know, and it was really key, right? So thanks, Anne. And um, and if you know Anne, she's this genuinely kind soul who's got this remarkable gift from God. And in the weeks leading up to the Camino, and I was you know, physically preparing. That's almost like 95% of my energy was going there. And I was on REI, Amazon. <laughs> I was like everywhere and just buying gear. I was on this like shopping spree. So, you know, good hiking shoes. Uh, I got this, you know, anti-blister socks and anti-blister balm and life straw. Barry's like, you need a life straw if you get in trouble, right? And first aid kit supplies, pocket knife. I got this camelback with, you know, three liter bladder I got this backpack from the uh, Boy Scout store, rain jacket. I got wicking shirts, underwear, shorts, camp suds. If you guys know what camp suds is, by the way, great thing. All you need is camp suds. Um, walking sandals and more. I mean, I was going, every night, I would think about something else I needed, <laughs> you know. Then a week before my departure, okay, I felt God just tell me, hey, Dave, enough buying stuff already. I got this right now is the time to focus Dave on the spiritual preparation I was like okay God so on Saturday 28th I was listening to some worship music and some of that I was taking with me on the Camino and I was listening to the the song come now is the time to worship and it struck me that with all the things that were going on in my life that this trip to the Camino might literally be about worship and I was going to worship the Lord and I said, but what does that mean? I gotta go halfway around the world to worship the Lord. And that's when my spiritual preparation really started to kick in. And then to talk about <laughs> shoring up my spiritual preparation, like a wake-up call, all right? Out of the blue, a friend of mine, sister who I haven't talked to in like over a decade, contacts me out of the blue and says, she's become a medium. I'm like, What? And she's like, you know, I, I, gotta, I had a vision and I, I got to share it. It's about your mother. And I'm like, what? You know? And, and it, it, it really told me, yeah, that this was uh, a spiritual journey I was going on. That I needed to pray. And that while I was prepared on all the physical part, um, God was t- sending me a message that, you know what? You got to spend time on the spiritual preparation. And, and don't forget that, Dave. The next day on Sunday, I uh, came to church, uh, walked to church, uh, and the intercessors had prayed for me, and they pointed out several passages which I wanted to share with you this morning, which, which I carried with me through the Camino. And the first one was Deuteronomy 31.8. And in Deuteronomy 31.8, it says, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. And it was important for me to hear that because as I was planning to go on this Camino and I said 127 miles, I was was a little afraid. I'm like, what's going on? And I had all this spiritual warfare going on and I thought, man, I've never experienced that intensity before. And um, and so it got me a lot, very nervous. And to hear that word uh, really emboldened me. And then in Psalm 145, verse 20, it says, The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. And then the intercessors also gave me Psalm 86, which is a very heartfelt prayer of David. And I'll, I'll go into that a little bit more a little later this morning. But I share these with you because I, I really think we're all on a journey. And as in Deuteronomy 31.8 and in Psalm 145.20 state, we can have courage that the Lord is with us, truly with us. He watches over us on our journeys. Whatever your personal journey may be, God is there. But sometimes we wonder, where is God on the journey? How come we, or at least I, don't always feel like I hear his voice? especially when so many things are going on like multiple trips to an ER or just crazy stuff happening at work or just trying to answer the calling or purpose of our life, you're wondering where is God in all of this? And that's where my listening Camino, which I'm also sort of calling my wrestling Camino, comes in because it starts with an earnest, heartfelt seeking for God and not letting go of God until you hear Him speak more than that. So as I unpack this journey, I want to share, I I share with you all the stuff going on before the Camino because it, it, it really is a spiritual journey. It really is a spiritual journey. And the journey is really here. More than physical out there in Spain. Or, you know, the journey is very personal and spiritual. And one of the things that struck me is that even if some motivation was started, wasn't spiritual or religious, it was inevitable that the Camino stirred something in their soul. And in some personal way, they could not help but sense there was a spiritual reality that existed. And I really wish the same for each of you. That even before I begin to unpack this Camino now, um, that you would appreciate There's a spiritual reality out there. And on the Camino, I I read and meditated in the book of James. It's not the same St. James of the cathedral, um, but I read the book of James about half chapter a day. There's five chapters in James. And and some of my thoughts I'm going to share with you this morning. And on that morning um, of the first day, back to work. So I came back from the Camino. Um, I I was going back to work that morning, and my wife Tammy (laughs) asked me a very pointed question. And she goes, Dave, how are you going to approach work differently because of what you experience on the Camino? And I'm like, man, that's a really good question. <laughs> and, and I'll be honest with you, I'm still trying to answer that question today. And not just for work, but for my life in general. Because some of the things, like I mentioned on the Camino, were crystal clear to me, but others less so. And it's really, I think, a work in progress. But there were sort of seven things as I unpacked, as I was preparing for this message, I wanted to share with you today. And the first thing is this. You know, leading up to the Camino, I was questioning why I was doing this and would I really hear God's voice? And what if nothing significant happened when I went on this Camino? And, and, I, and I felt like on that first day, God uh, wanted me to know that I do hear him and I can hear him. And what happened on day one was I was walking for the first time 14 miles. I've never walked 14 miles before. And um, like kind of in the middle of my walk, I started, to, uh, an old basketball injury surfaced again on my right ankle. And I actually started to feel this pain. I was like, oh no. And I was like, this is day one and I got 100 more miles <laughs> to go is this gonna be a problem, right? And I, I felt like God said, Dave, do you trust me, you know, that I can heal your ankle right now? And I was like, of course you can, right? Do you trust that you hear me? And I'm like, I, I, okay, I think I hear you. He goes, then if you hear me, that pain is gonna be gone. And like in that minute, it was gone. And I had no pain that I could walk the rest of the way. And I felt like the first thing, it was God showing me that Dave, you can hear me, and I do speak to you. Yeah, and that was like, almost like proof. And I ne- that ankle injury never surfaced the rest of the trip. Uh, and then my first point then is for all of us, there is a capability to hear God. Sometimes we think, and, and I've, I've seen this many times, where people think, "Nah, you gotta be the pastor, or you gotta be the priest guy, or you gotta be the intercessor, right? But you do hear you do here. The second thing is, um, on day four, was I was having a really good time with the Lord. And I felt God say, he was pleased with my obedience to walk the Camino. And I actually didn't think of the Camino as an obedient act, but I felt like he said he was, he, he was pleased with my obedience. And um, I thought actually I was doing this Camino for me. So to hear God say, that this was an obedient act, and that he was pleased kind of surprised me. And I said, what what, what does it mean that um, there's obedience? And reflecting on this, it occurred to me that obedience implies that there must have been some command or call that God had given me and that somehow I answered. And he wanted to let me know that he's the one who had called me to the Camino, whether I realized it or not he's the one who put the thought in my mind in the first place. And he's the one who wanted me there. And so when I thought of it, I said, well, can you still hear God when you don't even know he's there? And I I think the answer is yes. Because if you turn to Job 33, chapter 33, verse 14, it says this. It says, for God does speak now one way, now another, though no one perceives it. And I must have read that passage before many times, but it never internalized that passage. That God speaks, but no one perceives it. So we hear, but the noise of our lives, I think, drowns out our ability to perceive God's voice. We hear, but the noise in our lives drowns out our ability to perceive his voice. And I, I say that twice because We often, I think, and I talk to a lot of you too, we want to hear God. A lot of people want to hear God. So we're making a decision about something. We want to hear God about a decision to make. And it's easy for us to perceive that, you know what? We didn't hear anything. When in fact we hear, but we don't perceive. Because our lives are so noisy. Now for those of you who have heard my testimony before, several times, I'm going to apologize right now and and ask that you afford me some time to briefly share with you um, something that happened to me back in 1992 when I was still an atheist. So I apologize if this is a repeat for many of you, but to make the long story short, in the summer of 92, when I was still an atheist, I had this dream, right? And I had this dream that I heard the audible voice of God actually saying, David, why don't you believe in me? Why don't you believe in me? And in, in this feeling of complete love and warmth came over me I'd never experienced before, and I just knew it was God. And in the fall of that same year, I experienced it again when I was wide awake. So that's the backdrop. But when I was walking on day four, I was going to this town of Syria, I actually asked God, I said, God, I want to hear your voice again like I did 20 years, over 20 years ago. How come I don't hear your voice again? And immediately, I felt like this, this warmth and, and, and love again just in that moment uh, with God. And I, I just, I wept right there on the Camino. I was walking and I was, I was crying and I was just weeping and I just felt filled with the Holy Spirit. And as I'm walking, all of a sudden, I caught this like picturesque view of the mountainside and I stopped, I put out my phone and I took a picture. And as soon as I pressed that button, as soon as I pressed that button, I realized how easily I can get distracted away from God. Because I was thinking, like there I was, I was in God's presence in this special moment and I stopped to take a picture. And I don't even have the picture on my phone anymore. And I felt at that moment, God say to me, you know what? No, I need to learn to listen. I need to learn to tune in and that he was going to show me. Then God said, you know, when I hear his voice, I'm going to have to obey. Because if I don't obey, then what's the point of him speaking to me at all? And on day five, uh, I went back to seeking the Lord. And I said, okay, God, how do I hear your voice? I was trying to get back that moment, you know, I had. And this and is this the part of it that God said, Have an earnest heart, and the same heart I asked him if he was real to reveal himself to me in 1992. That's the same heart, an earnest heart. That's what I was hearing. And then God, I think, said to me, it was important because people often don't seek Him with an earnest heart. So I went back to how I felt in 92. And I was saying, how did I feel? How, how did I feel right in my soul? And how I was going to recapture that feeling again. And then that's when it reminded me of Psalm 86. That the in Psalm 86, there's a few verses I'll highlight here. But in verse 3, it says, Have mercy on me, Lord, for I call to you all day. And in verses 11 and 12, it says, Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart, that I may fear your name. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. And these verses in Psalm 86 exemplify to me that earnest heart that God seeks, that he wants seeking Him, It's a continuous it's a relentless, it's a humble seeking of God. Not necessarily to pray to God just to say, can I get this, God? Can, I, can you give me this, God? Can you give me this, God? But instead, it's an openness to just God's mercy for all of our shortcomings. And just to receive and to learn what God wants us to learn. And to have a deep reverence unto praise and worship for the Almighty God. And it was in that moment, you know, I just came to realize that in 92 Although an atheist, the earnest seeking for the truth of God's existence that's exemplified here in Psalm 86 is exactly the kind of heart that God wants all of us to have and what he was speaking to me about. And the fourth thing is this. It's to simplify. One of the best things about Spain is that it was, it's 12 hours in time zone ahead of Hawaii. And, and what's good about that is when my day started at 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning, it was 6 or 7 p.m. back in Hawaii, and I could video conference with Tammy and Josh on, online. And when it was 6 or 7 p.m. at the end of my day, after walking that long day, I could video conference them and, and see their faces and talk to them. I was talking to mom, too, at dinner. Um, and, and it was, it was enjoyable because I could speak to them twice a day, and it was like the start of my day and the end of the day, and how did it go, and... But the funny thing occurred to me about you know this time into the Camino is that all I had to do every day was just walk. Right? I just walked 14 miles or so. And as I'm video conferencing Tam and Josh, there's Tam yelling at Josh, hurry up, Josh! We got all these things to do, you know? Hurry up, rush, rush, rush. And I'm watching this stuff. And I'm going. This is nuts. (laughs) This is nuts, you know? It was this really surreal feeling, like I'm watching their life, which was my life when I'm there, and how frenetic it was. And that's when it occurred to me. I said, you know what? We live in the matrix. We really live in the matrix. See, in, the opening, in one of the opening scenes of that movie, The Way, and if you have Netflix, it's there, okay? But I would encourage you. But in the opening scenes of The Way, Emilio Estevez is the son of Martin Sheen, and he tells his dad, you don't choose a life, you live one. That phrase, that you live a life, you don't choose one, is the point that was brought home to me when I'm watching the frenetic life of my family acted out, by Tammy and Josh in The Matrix in Inahina. <laughs> See, our lives are so busy. It's filled with so many to-dos, and, it, and hence it's so noisy that no wonder we don't perceive to hear God anymore. That's when I said, I need to simplify my life. See, symbolically on the Camino, I found that in spite of all the things I, I bought on my shopping spree, this 127 mile journey I actually needed very little just two sets of clothes is all I needed because you do laundry right when you get to the room you just need good shoes you need socks hat sunglasses walking sticks and a rain jacket and that's all you needed and it was symbolic because just like our everyday lives I think we overfill our backpack our life with too many activities And I overfilled my suitcase and my backpack with things that not only I didn't need, but started to distract me, weigh me down from the true purpose of my journey. And that's when I said, to simplify. It isn't as straightforward as just doing less, because I think that's the easy thing to say, is just, oh, let's just do less in life. But I think to simplify means, let's just wipe the slate clean. And then start with the big things that are important and invest your time and your mind space there. Then be slow to fill the rest of the time with other things. You remember um, a while ago, Pastor Max shared that analogy of putting rocks in a jar, yeah? And he was like, put the big rocks first and then pour the little rocks and you can fit more in the jar, right? I wanted to add a corollary to that because I thought that was such a great analogy. And I think the corollary is to simplify, not just to prioritize, but to simplify means don't be so quick to fill the jar at all. See, I think it's about pace, right? The point isn't to maximize your time to be able to, to be super productive and, and to prioritize your to-do list so that just the most important things are done first. I think the corollary of to simplify means guarding your mind space And being present in the important things in your life. And not being so quick to fill your time with activities thinking that it leads to a more full and productive life. You know, so when in the movie it says to live a life, living to me means keeping life simple. Keep life simple means being mindfully present in the important things in your life. Then you can hear and you can obey God. It means... Just don't do less things, but fully investing yourself in those things that truly matter. Like earnestly seeking for God with our hearts so that we can hear and obey Him. Invest deeply in your, your relationships with your family, your friends, and the world around you. So that was that was the fourth point is to simplify. And the fifth point was how do you escape the matrix? See, I think the way you escape it is you realize that God hardwired each of us with the soul that seeks him. And when people embark on the Camino without spiritual motivation, remember I told you, they can't help but feel a reverence for God. It's why I think over 200,000 people walk the Camino every year. And, And we then can catch these glimpses of the real world, the real life that God wants for us outside of the matrix. See, um, as I'm reading, I was telling you the book of James. In James chapter four, verse five, it says, he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us. See, God created a spirit in us to dwell in us and that spirit longs for God and God longs for. And this is why when we choose the values of this world, it's equivalent to not choosing God. See, while in the Camino, when, you, when I read James 4, 7 through 10, it, it broke down all the things I interpret how to not be a friend of this world. And the first thing is you gotta submit to God. And submitting to God means there's no duality. You cannot love the world and love God at the same time. You gotta resist the devil and he will flee, meaning you gotta have courage. When spiritual attack happens, you have courage and stand firm in the Lord and the devil will flee. Come near to God meaning seek and stay close with God continually. And I think that's a challenge for all of us, right? We get caught up in our busy lives. How do we stay continually in relationship with the Lord? James talks about washing our hands, repenting of past behavior uh, and our failures, and it's okay to admit that. Purify our hearts, meaning reconnect with the spirit that lives in you. Talks about double-mindedness, and we gotta be single-minded on God to grieve and mourn and wail and repent, right? And to, of course, humble ourselves, less of our thoughts and submitting our thoughts to God. And so he will lift us up. On day six of my Camino, I was encouraged by Sue Yoshida. So Sue, here at KCF, had a small group said, Dave, we're going through the book of James too. And so I said, oh, I better go read something. She goes, maybe you're gonna have some insights for Like I don't know, Right? I think they're, they're going through like uh, Francis Chan or something who's super gifted. And, and so I said, I better go read something in depth here. But I got to James chapter three, verse 17. And it really struck me about heavenly wisdom. And there were eight points about, or facets of heavenly wisdom. And I said, oh, this is good. And I started to journal that on my Camino as well. And the first thing that James says about heavenly wisdom is it's pure and when you think about something that's pure, it's, there's a single source. It's not wisdom from multiple sources that sometimes our world can say, be worldly, take in all these sources and figure out what's the best of the best. No, it's pure, it's single source. 24 karat gold is all gold. There's no other mixture of other metals in there. It's the same way. It's consistent. It's always the same character. There are no impurities. Heavenly wisdom is also peace-loving. Meaning, it looks to the end game of unity where there's no internal, external conflict or strife. It's also, heavenly wisdom is also considerate, meaning it's others, other focus. It's, it's looking at other people and the impact on others. It's also submissive. And sometimes we don't think of leadership as submissive, but it's a humility knowing there's always a higher authority and that the key is alignment with that higher authority. Heavenly wisdom is also full of mercy, meaning it has the capacity to provide mercy. And I was thinking, you know what? But it starts with giving yourself mercy for not being perfect and for your own failures. Heavenly wisdom also bears good fruit, meaning it has a great proven track record. Fruits of where you invest your time. And a good example for parents is it's your kids. Heavenly wisdom is also impartial, without bias, And it's sincere, meaning there's alignment within yourself in alignment with your actions and your thoughts and with your thoughts and your heart. So I thought, you know, this is important because whether you're a leader looking for your calling, knowing how to lead with godly wisdom, or whether you're trying to follow a leader and knowing who to vote for, the President of the United States even, there are character traits of heavenly wisdom that we can all look for. And the last thing I want to say here is we've got to know our role. Some of you know here that I'm an elder here at the church. And and you think, what's an elder? And I I think the the primary function of the elder is to protect the church. And while on on the Camino and I read James chapter five, verse 14 to 15, it said something kind of remarkable. And it said, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Then it says, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. I thought, wow. So if you're sick, or know someone who's sick, who wants to be well, find an elder in the church, (laughs) have them pray for you in the name of the Lord, and you're gonna be made well. And I thought, wow. But the important thing is, it's big and an important role. And one that quite frankly, I didn't realize until I, I read this on the Camino. But part of it is, on your journey, god's going to reveal his role for you in your life so i'm just going to summarize it here is that this all goes back to again what i said in the beginning when max was talking about last week in the message about what it means to wrestle with god when we earnestly seek god we try to grab hold of god with everything we got and not let go that's, that's the passion, the focus, the determination we need to have, right? It, it doesn't mean you have to travel halfway around the world to Spain and walk 127 miles or more. Your Camino is right here. Know that you have the capacity to hear God. It's just that maybe you're not perceiving that you do. And when you, when you do hear God, you gotta be ready to obey Otherwise, what is the point of God speaking to you? And then God wants us to come like Jacob with that earnest heart that we're gonna come all in and we're not gonna let go until we get God. Then we gotta simplify our life and it's about the pace of life and investing your time not only in how much time you spend but how much you do. We gotta escape the matrix By not being a friend of this world. We gotta seek heavenly wisdom and discern what the character is of heavenly wisdom, those eight things. And then we gotta receive and know what our role is. What is your what is the role that God has for you? And then our job at that point is to know what that is and to go do it. Let's stand. Let's stand, I'll, I'll close uh, today. So, like I said, this is a work in progress for me. Um, the Camino was hard to put into words and I tried my best and maybe it'll change in, in different ways later on um, as the journey continues. But let me just pray for everyone. Um, Heavenly Father, God, you know, I, I wanna thank you that all of us, God, are on a journey. Sometimes, Lord, we, we uh, I, I think we want to confess, God, that we don't always earnestly seek you with all of us, all of our heart. That our lives are noisy, they're busy, and we don't hear you, or we don't perceive that we hear you, Lord. So I pray now that in some way or form that everyone's journey here will lead to an earnest seeking of you, a heartfelt seeking of you, God. And that the noise in everyone's life will just drown to a dim so that, Lord, they can clearly hear your voice again and feel you, Lord, your love for them. I thank you. And as we say in Spain, buen camino. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: You know, Dave, Dave had mentioned that if anybody is sick and need healing, that you just come in the prayer offering to of faith by the elders. He's an elder, I'm an elder, Danny's an elder. So if you would like prayer, need prayer, need some kind of healing, we'd love to pray for you. So, you know, the rest of you can go grab something to eat back there, fellowship a little bit. But if you would like prayer... Dave would be more than happy to pray, prayer of faith, right? So God bless, have a great week. But if you need prayer, come up and we'd love to pray with you.